Do you struggle with what it means to be successful in your retirement? Trust us, you're not alone. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Here, you'll go in-depth with Guidance Point Advisors Investment Consultants to hear stories about how retirees in Maine are navigating a successful retirement. Get insight into the inevitable challenges of aging and define what a successful retirement looks like. Hi, everyone. My name is Abby, and I am going to be guest hosting today's show. Um, so I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Smith, today. Hey, Abby. How you doing? Hey, Ben. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So we're doing a special show today um, with one of our coworkers, um, because a question that we hear a lot is how and where to choose your place to live in retirement, right? So Exactly. Um, you know, most people maybe don't want to winter in Maine, and so they're looking for someplace a bit warmer, a bit easier to live. And so when we were talking about this topic, we thought of our colleague Larry Pelletier, who successfully did this, right? So he went and found a new location to move to um, with his wife, Joyce. And so they're here today to kind of talk about that process of what they went through to find their perfect uh, retirement location. Mm-hmm. So... With that, let's welcome Larry and Joyce Pelletier. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Thank Good morning, you. Abby. Good morning, Ben. Good morning. Um, so usually we start with telling us a little bit about yourselves. So um, it helps to give people a little background of you two. And Larry, um, you work with us, right? Mm-hmm. So hearing a little bit about your background. So let's start with you, Larry. Okay. First of all, I'm, I'm a maniac. I was born and bred in Maine. True um, Mainer. I am true Mainer. Uh, as Tim Sample would say, I'm a biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> to use that expression. I born and raised in Lewiston. Um, during our marriage, we've lived uh, in a number of locations around the country. But while in Maine, we lived for a lot of years in the Bangor area and then almost an equal number of years in southern Maine. So we've kind of seen both ends of the state. Mm-hmm. And during that time, among other things, I worked in uh, retail banking and then in investment management for all of those years. And and then a few years ago, we decided that we would change our lives and go in a different direction, um, still with Guidance Point, obviously, mm-hmm. but we reside in North Carolina, and we'll talk with you a little bit about that today. And what about you, Joyce? Um, I'm originally from Massachusetts, and um, I spent most of my younger years in Quito, Ecuador, South America, I met Larry at college in Wenham, Massachusetts. Yes. And lived in, in Maine for how many years? A long time. A long time. <laughs> um, actually did graduate work at the University of Maine in counseling and became a clinical counselor. So I worked as a school guidance counselor up here in the um, in the Bangor area, and then I was in private practice in Portland. Excellent. Nice. That's great. That's fantastic. Um, Ecuador, that is interesting. I didn't even know that. That's very, very cool. What a unique place to grow up. It was great. I loved it. Yes. And what's pretty fascinating about that, you mentioned that, is uh, we just did an yeah. episode as well with uh, a gentleman who's an editor at International Living Magazine. Oh. And so they've been traveling abroad, and one of the things that uh, one of the places that he has gone is Ecuador. It's a mm-hmm. small world. So we talked a lot about Ecuador in that previous episode. So kind of a nice little thread there. That's great. Yeah. Yes, and it's actually a place that a lot of Americans retire, interestingly. Yep, yeah. yep. So that was his whole, like, all the, there's a nice uh, expat uh, was the terminology uh, community there. And right. he goes, a lot of mobilization back and forth. And just, uh, yeah, he goes, 
a lot of people don't know that, but yeah, there, that's yeah. kind of, that's a really cool fact. I didn't know that Joyce. Yeah, yeah. Very neat. Um, so Joyce, how did you know when it was time to retire? Um, well, I think we had been talking about it for many years. We were kind of looking at around 65 as probably being the age that we might retire. But I also had an elderly mom living in Portland and we were, and I'm the only surviving child in my family. So we were concerned about leaving her. Uh, so we were just kind of taking it year by year to see how her health would be and also when Larry would be ready to retire. We just knew it would be somewhere in the mid-60s. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Larry? How did you know it was time? Oh, because I wanted to retire at 29 <laughs> and play golf every day. Uh, but that didn't happen. Can I vote for that? Too? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> it, it became an issue of how to pay for golf. Right. Um, <laughs> no, but we were, we were at a point in our life with uh, some health considerations that we had that we, we knew it made sense uh, especially in light of some recommendations from uh, one of our doctors that we should change climates. And then for me, it worked out great because I had the opportunity, as, as both of you know, to join forces with Guidance Point and kind of have the best of both worlds to be able to maintain um, some professional connection uh, with clients. And I'm very thankful for that. But at the same time, to have a somewhat a significantly lighter load than I had as a full-time um, advisor, and then to be able to end up in an, a locale that in many ways reminds us of Eastern Maine. Uh, and I know we'll talk a little bit about yeah. that later, but things just came together. But as Joyce said, we looked for a long time. We visited lots of places. We made our own little spreadsheet at home, as I'm. Uh, most people think of that, and they think of this great big computer program. Abby knows me. It was on a yellow tablet <laughs> um, and I made my own categories and we tracked everything. But so there were a lot of things going on. And when we decided to, uh, to move, it actually happened pretty quickly. Well, it's pretty neat about, um, you know, in terms of us working together too is right. So you have really five of us that are in the state of Maine mm-hmm. together working as a team and, and what's been pretty nice is, you know, the mobilization with technology now as a gig economy is we can kind of be anywhere at times. And, you know, if, if you have, again, if you have a smaller client uh, force that you go, Hey, I'm friends with these people. I know them. I, I've had a long standing relationship, but there's four or five of us that are surrounding them. And, and at any point, uh, if they need something more closely, then we have people here. If it's, well, Larry's the primary on that person and they know to talk to him, but we can all do our roles and work in concert together. It works great. And that's been the fun part. I think we all truly, and not just because it's being recorded, <laughs> is we really truly just have fun working together. It's, you know, just check in and see how things are going. But, oh, I also talked to this person today and... You know, they have this cash need or this is what's going on and how that, like, let's talk about how that means and changing their portfolio. So I know we don't talk a lot about the investment strategy on this show, but, you know, it's kind of nice to, you know, from the five of us is kind of get that perspective of how we, how we work together. It's very well. I think our clients are very happy. Abby and I just had uh, digital appointments. I guess that's the right term last week with all of our clients because we're not, we're not in person right now. And it went very, very well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, I happen to have only a couple of clients in New Bern and they see us all the time. So they just walk down the street (laughs) to our house. (laughs) It's a little different. Yeah. Um, so you 
provided a great segue to kind of getting into why you and Joyce are here today. So we really wanted to talk to you guys about the process that you went through for finding where you wanted to retire. Um, And that process can look a little bit different for everyone, right? So we're just kind of gaining what you guys have learned and your experience in that. So as you know, moving can certainly be challenging, let alone several states away when you're in your mid-60s, right? So um, what was your first step in making a decision to move from Maine. Um, was there a catalyst that, that started that conversation between you two? <laughs> yes, yeah, so, but we're looking at each other smiling. I know everybody can't see that. The catalyst was when I first uh, started dating a long time ago, I promised Joyce that we would never live in Maine. <laughs> because she's not a winter person. It has nothing to do with Maine. It's never going to start a, it's never good to start a relationship with a promise that you break immediately. That's never good. Uh, but we, we lived in a number of locations and moved to Maine. But one of the things that we knew early on in our, uh, in our marriage and in our relationship is that one of these days we were going to want to move to a warmer client. Joyce has been a very good sport about letting me ski and play hockey and snowmobile and snowshoe and do all the things that a lot of Mainers do. And we raised our three children here. And they've kind of followed in those footsteps to one degree or another. But Joyce has always been a, a great sport about it. But we knew one day the time was going to come. And that's my perspective. What do you, what do you say? Yeah, I'd say that. Really, the number one factor was weather. If yeah. you really want to get down mm-hmm. to it. And we had talked for years about moving to someplace warmer. Mm-hmm. But Abby, if I could jump back. We yeah. probably started seriously looking in our very late 50s. So we're five or six or even seven years out before the actual day we we made the decision and started looking. And we looked a lot. Uh, We looked at possibilities in in Delaware. And that was really driven partly that it would be a little bit better, actually a lot better weather, and it would be cheaper for taxes. Yeah. um, Because we had two different things we were looking at at that point. And we went to down the East Coast and ended up as far south as Naples, Florida, and have looked at an awful lot of places in between. And the, the one thing I can say to everybody is there are lots of right choices. Yeah. The same choice doesn't fit for everybody, so you have lots of right options. And what you have to really do, and what we did as we looked through this process, was to say, what is it we really want? And, and in some cases, what is it don't that we don't want? Yeah. I think starting early can be a huge benefit, right? So you mm-hmm. talked about starting this process five to ten years before you actually made the move mm-hmm. um, so that you don't get, for lack of a better word, stuck in Maine um, and having to deal with the winters that you really don't want to, you know, later into retirement. So I think that's an important point for people to realize is that this process doesn't happen overnight, right? It takes time to find and research and explore all these different places. So. And, I, and I think like... The- there's, there's an objection we hear a lot from people that we're talking to about this and, or even family members or, and they go, you know, I, I do want to go to that warmer climate, right? Or I do want to like, <laughs> boy, there's so much like right. they, cause they dream of, Hey, I'd love to be in a, in a city with, you know, more activity, more community or, or Hey, there's more things going on. Like I'm a big sports fan and I could see a sports team 20 minutes away, whatever that thing is. And they, they start dreaming about that. Like, well, that's, of course, the grass is always greener, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the primary objections we hear right out the gate is, in you know, I'll, you know, to snap your fingers is like, but I can't because you know you mentioned you have three kids, 
Like, but my family's here, or hey, I'm take my mother is sick, and I'm the caregiver, yeah. right? And and you know, I've dreamed of getting to this point on mid sixties. You know, this is our time now, right? Is now it's our time to dedicate to each other. I have an obligation, maybe, to previous generations, or do I have a do I have a feeling of guilt of future generations? Of hey, my kids are here, my grandkids that sort of thing. And you go, I can't. So can you talk a little bit about what, like how that, how you navigated that? Because I can see where that is just a hard stop for a lot of people. Yeah, I think that really is a hard stop. And we've talked about this a lot because actually in the community that we ended up in, um, everyone who lives there is in a similar position to us. Very few of them have their children living in the same town. Um, and so they've all had to make decisions about um, how close they want to live to the children, for instance, or how close they want to live to elderly parents. And for everybody, it's different. In our case, our children live in three different states, so there's no way right. we're going to live near all of them, no matter where we <laughs> sure. live. Right. Um, one of our objectives was to be within driving distance of our kids. Mm-hmm. So in our case, that means the East Coast mm-hmm. versus the West Coast and not as far south as Florida. We've also known a lot of people who have stayed put too long Mm. because Mm -hmm. the factor that you really can't um, judge ahead of time is how your health is going to be. So the people who get what you called stuck, um, often suddenly someone in the family gets sick, and then it's really too late for them to move because their health concerns dictate that they really need to stay where they are. Right. Uh, for medical treatment or for mm-hmm. many other reasons. Right. So that's why I think it's important to get started young. Yes. Um, because many people who say they will move never get there. Right, right, exactly. And our experience has been with some of our neighbors that they've gone through similar processes. Some have been shorter processes than ours. Some have been a longer process. But in each situation... The, the couple has had to go through the, a similar thought exercise of how do we take care of a prior generation or the preceding generation, I like to call them, because sure. they're the ones that brought us here. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then how do we take care of the, the successive generation? And one of the things that we have found, and that it was more interesting than I thought it would be, is that, that most people in our generation find it easier to go visit particularly their children and grandchildren whose lives are are developing in Michigan or Pennsylvania or Ohio or wherever. Um, So it's easier to go pick up for a week or two, go visit the kids and the grandkids and come back than to have the children and grandchildren actually pick up and come visit in North Carolina. So it's turned out to be a very interesting sidebar that I hadn't really thought about because I expected you know, we'd ha- see grandkids coming into our neighborhood all the time. And what we see are our grandparents, our neighbors, leaving all the, t- all the time to go visit the family. And it's just as easier on everybody. Yeah, because anecdotally, again, for my end is, well, yeah, you get a little one and you go, you think of... <laughs> You know, all the stuff, right? <laughs> mobilizing a home, right? Yes. To, to go, hey, we're going to go to a, on this big trip and I got to have, if, if it's a week visit, geez, you got, you know, all the apparatus, all the toys. And if they're really little, like a baby or a toddler, I mean, you are 
your like car seats, um, Play strollers, playpens, you know, diaper bags, plus, you know, all that. And you go, it starts getting pretty overwhelming, especially as a parent that goes, Hey, I'm trying to organize all this and, and put and go, right. Is it, it's not saying it's not worth it to come visit, but it is, it is a really difficult undertaking and you go mm -hmm. versus maybe the grandparents that are, you know, easier to move in, in, in different ways is like that, that might be easier for them to come and be more flexible. So I can see where that, that kind of, I guess not to stereotype it, but I, I could see where that situation happens more often than not. And it's just easier on everybody. If mm -hmm. you're a parent and you're traveling to see your children and grandchildren, you can pack your bag throw it in the back of the car and you can drive. And most everybody we know can drive because of distances. Most of the residents in our community of East Coast people, particularly Northeast people, yeah. occasionally they'll fly somewhere, but it just works much easier. And then they come back to uh, their new home and kind of sigh and go, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so everybody can be happy. And I want to ask about the, because you made the comment about the driving distance, mm -hmm. right? Let's go... Now, that's a comfort thing, which is going to be different for everybody, yes. right? And I can also see where, as we all age in our own retirements, of that that driving distance comfort level is shrinking, mm -hmm. right? So can you talk about, well, obviously you, you kind of made a decision of what you're comfortable with, about, and you eventually end up in North Carolina, but how is that, that driving dis distance kind of figured out? Like, you know, where, I guess... What was the perimeter for you that kind of triangulated to North Carolina? Like, what would, because if you said East Coast, well, if you have to go to Michigan, well, that, that's maybe more central than it is East Coast, right? Yes. For us, it came down to what did we think we were driving an average day? Joyce and I have, have always, in our, during our home marriage, had the opportunity to drive. Early in life, we lived in Southern California. We've driven coast to coast on several occasions. Most of the time we flew, but we actually drove a couple of times. So driving for us is very comfortable when we go on a road trip. Mm -hmm. That At 70, it's a little different than when we we're 22. Sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so what we figured out is what are we comfortable with? And most of our days are 500-mile days is really what we came down to and said, are we comfortable? So those are... That's a poke. Those are about <laughs> 10, 10 or 11-hour yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. So when we come to Maine, it's two days. If we go to, Impressive. for that child, if we go to Maryland for a child, it's a seven hour day. If we go to Pittsburgh for the third child, it's a 12 hour day. It's a little over 500 miles, closer to 600, but we're comfortable with it. We get out and we stop when we want to. We're typical older uh, travelers. We can relax and we do what we need to do and to make sure that we can enjoy the trip. So. We also, however, yeah, yes. <laughs> we also chose a community that has an airport. Yeah. So that's kind of the backup plan. So if we have to be somewhere fast, we can be somewhere fast. Yeah. Sure. And that was, I think, when we interviewed uh, Carrie Weston, who was yeah. former city councilor, former mayor for Bangor, and we're talking about where and why Bangor might be a, a destination for retirees. And that's one of the things he said, it was mm -hmm. having major airports nearby is that you don't feel stuck because you can leave, right? right, right. And, and that you, you have an airport nearby that go, connects to major hubs and you can get to where you need to without kind of a whole lot of kind of hassle to kind of get in and out. So, right. But I want to ask the, the kind of going back to the, the radius question with kids, have you thought about then going forward of, hey, when I'm 80, when I'm 88, when I'm 92, 
and that desire to be near kids and grandkids, or maybe them taking care of your aging, have you have you considered that uh, that that may change your geography? Yes, we've talked about that. It's just hard to know at this point, mm-hmm. uh, but for a lot of the people that we see around us, when they especially get in their late 80s or 90s, um, sometimes one of the spouses will pass away, and then the remaining one will want to go live near their children. Right. Um, but that's that's ways away for us. Sure, yeah. We um, right yeah. now, yeah. we're happy yeah. where we are, yeah. and our community also has is putting together an assisted living facility and a long-term care facility. So some of the people that we know are, you know, making plans to go there instead. That's great. So moving is a big job, right? Just a the big job. the whole logistics of it all. So how did you deal with the actual logistics of moving? <laughs> and what did you do with all of your stuff in Maine, right? Because there's a lot of winter stuff that you likely don't need in North Carolina. Go ahead, darling. <laughs> Well, we've moved many times, okay. so it, it wasn't a new process to us, but we did start downsizing. Yeah. So we basically got rid of anything that had to do with our kids, mm-hmm. uh, tried to get them to take what they <laughs> would take, and you know the rest of it we gave away. We knew we were going to downsize this, um, our house as well. We talked about what we thought was an ideal house and how big that would be, how many square foot, square feet. Um, and then we also, we built this house. So we also had the floor plan. We knew exactly how much furniture would go in each room. And so we spent the, the year between the time we built, we bought a lot and the time we actually finished building the home, we spent that time getting rid of things and downsizing. Yep. And we made the Salvation Army and a few other organizations very happy because there were a lot of things that we yeah. didn't take with us because we were going to a smaller house. And there were a lot of things that, quite frankly, don't fit in our new house. It's a different culture. It's a different location that we're in great shape here that we're able to help other people with. And it was our pleasure to do that. But but you can see where, of course, if obviously you guys have had a different experience where you've moved a bunch and you've you've... I think when you when you kind of sit and, and and I don't want to use the word sit, but in terms of being in one place for for a longer period of time, or or maybe your entire life or your career, and you inherit things, <laughs> and these are generational things, and and you you accumulate, right? It's it's and you maybe have not gone through a purging of of things. I could see where, and I know you you help people too from kind of going through this of moving. Like, can you talk about like how people have overcome this whole like, well, hey, I have to move, but you know, I can also see where I'm stuck on. How do I deal with this room? Like, this is my father's, um, you know, antique rifle from World War II, and this is my grandmother's uh, thing from when she immigrated from Europe, or all that. Which is our big barriers of like, well, how do I move it? How do I take care of it? Who wants it? Can you talk about that a little bit? Because it sounds like you didn't maybe have as much of that emotional issue, but I'm sure there was something there that that was hard. Well, just real quickly, we lived in in this part of the world. This part of the world, by the way, for everybody listening, is Bangor. Mm -hmm. And then when we moved from Bangor, actually from VZ to southern Maine, we gleaned many things from our house up here. So that was a precept. And our kids were happy to see us do that because they've said to us more than once, we don't want this job. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so yeah. that, yeah. and then we, so we moved from VZ to Falmouth and we were there for 10 years and it was amazing. All of the paraphernalia that we picked up and that we were saving for everybody or for another day. Then we moved from Falmouth to Scarborough. You can see we don't stay very long, but we had, we had 10 or 12 years in lots of places. And we then downsized again. But when then we, so when we left Scarborough to go south, we did not have 30 years or 40 years of accumulated right. items. And I'm glad that we didn't. But part of it was that we knew our children didn't want to do it. We didn't want to be faced with a big um, cleaning process when we got to North Carolina. And some of our neighbors have, by the way. They unloaded the trucks and went, whoops, this <laughs> yeah. doesn't fit. Yeah. Um, and Joyce and I, unfortunately, had to, along the way, during our lives here in Maine, had to go through this process for our mothers mm. of sorting out what they had and what was important to them or to us or what would be better better served by going someplace else. And so we had practice steps before we actually yeah. had to do it, Ben, yeah. for the very last time. And And even now, I hate to admit it, as publicly, we still have plastic folders that we haven't opened in four years. I'm going, so what's in those? And we, right. we we're just talking about on the way up there. Yeah. We need to go home and pull those out of the garage and say, what do we, do we really need what's here? Because all those things add up, right? As they continue to go. And, you know, I, I, I do want to explore that topic because I think that's a big deal in terms of what you just said around, hey, we went through this with our mothers, right? Because obviously each of us, doesn't matter if it's different generations or we're just all different people. We all have different values on mm -hmm. things and what, you know, your mother's had for value on a thing. And, you know, you always hear that like, well, you know, when I pass, I'm going to give you this, right? And this is the, I want, or your great grandmother would have loved to have had you, have you had this type stuff, which what a, what a wonderful sentiment, right? To be expressing this and, you know, that they would have thought about you and, and all that. But that's the one way of you think about all those conversations you might have had in your life. Or, you know, I bet she would have wanted you to have these things. Yes. And these are in your mind as you're thinking about, well, how do I decumulate my property, the things that are meaningful to me personally, but also what I maybe go backwards and think about, or my kids of like, well, that when they were four, you know, here's their first drawing of a, of a bear, right? And isn't that great? And, you know, wouldn't that be, you know, wouldn't they like to see that in 30 years? Yeah. All of those things. And, you know, I think that can create just this wall of things and stuff. How did you go through it? I guess it's fascinating because I think that's a big barrier. I don't know how I can answer that exactly. I think that some people are more attached to things than others. Yeah, sure. And yeah. some people have uh, place a higher value on antiques that were owned by grandma than mm -hmm. others. What I tried to do was save one thing import one important thing from each person. Um, and for me, they were mostly pictures. Um, that I wanted to keep as memories. I have a few items that belong to my mother, a few that belong to my father, um, and a few very small things from grandparents, but that's it. Okay. And I'm happy with that. And I think I'm of a similar mindset, although I may have an attachment to a few more things than Joyce does. But we said what will be important to us going forward. And so we have in our house, if you were to come in, when you guys come in mm -hmm. and look around, you'll see some things from grandma or great grandma 
that are sitting there, but we don't have a house full of those. We were a little surprised, I think, in how few mementos or things from the past that our children really were interested in. We were safe when we were in VZ, we had a basement full um, of things that we were sure the children were going to have. And when we were in Falmouth, we had an even bigger basement full. <laughs> yep. And our children were interested in some of the heritage, things that we'll call heritage, um, and they weren't interested in others. But we found homes for those, for people who were really interested in those. And it took a little bit of work to do that, but at the end of the day, it worked out okay. What we didn't want to do, this was really important to mm -hmm. us personally, we were going to have a smaller garage than we have in Maine. We had a big garage, three-car, basically. We have a small two-car. We had a big basement in our last house and an attic. We have neither in our new house. And so when you start doing yeah. the mechanics of where will we put everything, the last thing Joyce and I wanted was to, to move and to have boxes and boxes of things that we'd been saving for years and have to go rent storage spaces. That just didn't seem to make sense. So right. we really walked through a process and said, what do we hold near and dear? And what are we going to keep that when we're looking at a particular item or holding it in our hands or reviewing it if it's hanging on the wall, how will that help us with the memories and the feelings? And that's really what we focused on. Because there is a feeling of the goldfish in the in the you know the, the water bowl, right? It's, yes. it's like in the fish bowl because it's. I think the bigger the fish bowl, the bigger the fish gets mm -hmm. here. And it's like, well, hey, you know, we have that corner in the attic, or we have that space in the basement. Nothing's there. Why not just kind of put it over to the side? It's not hurting and anything. We did. Right. <laughs> so I think it's a very natural thing which yeah. we all do. Right. And, and then go, well, now I need to accumulate it. And, uh, and that's just such a process and that just slows you down. And, you know, we, uh, I think our third episode was on the, um, uh, travel advisor. It says, you know, there's one couple there trying to celebrate their 40th anniversary, but they could never agree on what to do on their 40th anniversary. So they didn't celebrate their 40th anniversary until year 42. Right. That happens. Right. So <laughs> it's, it's, we, we kind of, and that's what I was trying to get to here with like, sometimes it's, it's the little things that, that just mm -hmm. stop us from getting to the next step. So I, I think that's why I wanted to spend a, a minute with you there on, okay. on the kind of that process of going through. If I can, Abby and Ben, mm -hmm. just one other thing. One of the things that we see happen uh, in our community, in our community, just to put it in perspective for everybody, is about 350 homes at this point inside a, a town that's almost the same size as Bangor. The similarities are just amazing. Yep. And it's one of the things that we drew, that drew us there. We have 350 homes run away to about 800. And I just point that out as reference. But it's amazing to us how often on our community webpage, the new people in will say, so how do I get rid of, you know, we've, we've emptied everything out and we realize that we still have half a garage full. And so we go through this process and get people, people provide numbers of the Salvation Army or other charitable groups that are in the area. And it just happens all the time. We, we all bring things um, that we think are important and they are for some reason. And then we realize when we move into our new space and we've purposely downsized and almost everybody has. Now, some, just so you know, some of those people have downsized from 7,000 square feet to 3,500 square feet. Sure. Mm -hmm. yes. Some have downsized yeah. from 3,500 right. square feet to 1,800 square feet. Right. right. It's different for everybody. But it's, it's just amazing how many things we bring in and say, I guess I really don't need it. Yeah. 
And, and Larry, I want to, and Joyce, I want to ask you both, uh, because, you know, if you look generationally, you think about what is patterned for retirement has been a lot around, hey, you know what? What I see is it's the Florida. We're going to, you know, the, and I'll use the word snowbird, which I think us in the Northeast maybe know that term a lot of, mm-hmm. hey, it's cold here. Let's go somewhere when it's cold to where it's warmer, and then we can come back to to maybe the Northeast somewhere. So we kind of use this term, and I, you know, we have maybe listeners outside of Maine and outside of New England that maybe don't know that. But in terms of your process, we talked about moving. Well, did you consider doing that? Because I think that that's a pattern which you mm-hmm. hear a lot of a lot of people doing, and maybe even in the, and again Florida, Arizona being that spot. We had talked about that too, and pretty early on, Larry said he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to maintain property mm-hmm. in two states, and I think he had learned that from working with clients over the years. That eventually they do sell one or the other. So it sounds like a great idea at the at the beginning, but the logistics of it become harder and harder as a person ages. So we really had kind of X that off the list. We know people who have resolved that by buying timeshares mm-hmm. or by going to the same rental every year. And so they're able to still get out of whatever climate it is they're trying to avoid. And some people do it and then five, ten years later they end up selling one or the other. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, with having two locations, right, is, you know, you buy in, and at some point, and, and, and again, Larry, I, you and I have had this conversation a lot <laughs> privately, is this, like, I think the neat part of the role that we play with working with people mm-hmm. in their retirements especially is you kind of pick up on on things here or there, like, you know, that really wouldn't work for me, or, you know, that was really neat that they did do the snowbird thing and have two locations, but, you know, when they do estate planning... You know, you have to probate through two different states mm-hmm. with, with that, right? So you now created another complication when you pass. So all those things are, are, are pretty neat considerations, right? And we thought about the, uh, the tax implications. Uh, we, talked, uh, we talked a little bit about the concept of being domiciled. Mm-hmm. And so where do you really live and where do you vote and which, which taxing agency, whether it's uh, North Carolina or Maine or Maine and Arizona, where you're going to be considered to have the bulk of your assets. Uh, and so that's where you're going to get taxed. And so we just decided we didn't want to do that. And I, to be honest, I was a little bit lazy. I did not want to have two properties, even with management companies helping you, that we had responsibility for at the end of the day. And it's turned out to be um, very good for us. But again, our experience in our new world has been that most people have decided to downsize and have gone to one home. And it's been interesting to watch because there have been a few people that we've known for several years now who were really happy they had two homes. They could always run back to home, wherever that might be. And they woke up one day and said, so why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and but it's different, for, as you guys both know, it's mm-hmm. different for everybody. It is. Yeah. And, and, and you can see a lot of allure to that. It's like, it seems... You know, I can get the best of both, right? Isn't that, Absolutely. doesn't that seem like a really kind of great concept of, hey, if my family's still in that place where I move from, I can come back to that. And, but, you know, I, you've seen enough of 
Hey, I am in Florida, right? And you guys in North Carolina, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little mm-hmm. bit, but you know, weather becomes unexpected and maybe mm-hmm. I'm not used to that. And things like, Hey, I've, uh, I'm in one location by the way, a hurricane's coming to hit my, uh, my town. Oh, and I'm not there. And do I then go into the hurricane to, you know, board things up and take care of it? The, the stress, I think, from things like that, that you go, I have to worry about what if I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time and have to make sure I'm protecting that other place. So I think those are, again, those are maybe disadvantages to it. Uh, and you have to be kind of very flexible about being able to go right. back and you forth. Really, you can think about what you really want to do. And the nice decision is, that you don't have to decide immediately when you move. That's a secondary decision. But usually everybody kind of gets to that point where they say, I'd like to have one primary and then I can go rent if I'm going to go home, which is where we came from. I'll rent for a month on a lake or a pond or yeah. on the back 40 somewhere. Right. It all works out. And, and for my, um, again, we don't do a ton of financial planning on this on this show, but the idea is like, but also from an asset perspective, right? Is if you then have to purchase and acquire another home as you're entering into retirement and maybe using retirement accounts or that you have to pay taxes on in order to then buy and secure another property. And then it's not as liquid, right? Then when you want to get out of that, that's, that's tougher as well. So being able to be more flexible and stick and move of, Hey, I want to be on a lake this year. Let's go rent a lake property for three months or, you know, next year I've never been to San Diego and I love to go be there for a couple months and do that. So there's again, a different house for every mouse, right? Is yeah. it's all different for everybody. But I wanted to have that conversation with you about again, snowbirding is, is an interesting concept, which I think people have always heard about of like, you know, I'm interested in that, but again, interested to hear how you guys kind of positioned it for you. Right. So you have both touched on this a little bit, but your research process that you went through um, was pretty extensive. And I think it can be really helpful for people to hear how you went through the process um, of deciding that North Carolina was ultimately the place where you wanted to spend your retirement. So can you talk a little bit about the process what you went through for research, for visiting different locations, what some of your criteria was that you were looking at in each of the locations that you looked at? I think it definitely was Mm -hmm. criteria-driven. Some of the factors that were very important to us were weather, obviously, (laughs) um, cost of living, let's see, medical care, health providers in the area, uh, overall safety, uh, recreation, Um, And then uh, just a general community. We wanted to be within a community or a town versus just a retirement group out built somewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. that's all self-enclosed. We wanted to be able to get to town and do some fun things in in town as well. Uh, What else am I leaving out of that criteria? Well, those are the major ones, but, but being an anal person, as you guys know, one of the things I looked at were, were some of the fine details. Living in, in eastern Maine and in southern Maine, too, you're, having, you're involved in communities that are really blessed to have um, universities and colleges mm-hmm. and what the impact is on the communities from those institutions. So we were looking for uh, the opportunity to be near institutions, educational institutions, because of what they bring to the community. We were looking for community theaters. We were looking for our church Mm -hmm. that we wanted to be involved with. I also went and started studying all kinds of things 
on on a couple of websites about community crime and, and crime by neighborhood. And there are some nice places on the surface that we cross right off the list when you see how they're ranked and with um, with crime statistics and some of the issues that they face. We we just didn't, coming from a relatively safe part of the country, we just didn't want to have to deal with that. And mm-hmm. so we, we incorporated that. We also looked at education and what was happening at different levels of education because that impacts a town. And last but not least, we did a lot of reading and a lot of talking with people in the respective Chamber of Commerce offices, wherever we went, to try to get a feel. Of course, they're, they're great at selling what they have, sure. but it never hurts to hear what it is they're selling to see if it makes sense. And as Joyce said, we really wanted to be in a community, and we're, we're uh, ended up we're, we're living in a town and ended up in a town that's about the size of Bangor. So when we drive out of our neighborhood, we get on the, the road, you know, the main road, and we drive downtown, and it's like being in downtown Bangor in some ways as far as size or some similarities are not exactly the same. So I, I guess that's a natural fault then is, so it's, it's one thing to go, here's the checklist of like, it has to have this and I shouldn't have that. And to kind of go through and, you know, I'm, I'm, again, I, I know you just described your spreadsheet as like not being like, you know, this like actuarial table with uh, three by three it grids. Was and but, you know, I think you could almost go, you know, once you kind of find communities that fit those boxes and you can kind of go there that really there's a feel right as you go these to these places and almost like you know what you described is obviously you were in this Bangor community for a for a bit Mm -hmm. right so you know what you liked about this community and maybe things that you didn't like but it sounds like to me that there's almost like when you when you got there that you're looking for a certain feel which is so it's a gut deal and not necessarily like well it's it's mathematical and scientific of a thing that we went through. Can you talk about obviously where in you know I think when you visit places you can kind of start getting that too. So how did and I don't want to kind of out places of things that were no. not good, but can you talk about that maybe things that didn't get the feel and some that did? Yes, for sure. I mean, I I think that is a really important factor because ultimately. Uh, the day that we drove over the bridge into New Bern and we saw the harbor with the sailboats and we saw the river and it, it just had this sort of New England feel to it, although it wasn't New England, um, was the day I said to Larry, I think this could be the place. And we were looking for, because we've lived near the water in southern Maine for quite a while, we wanted a place that had water, uh, we wanted golf, we wanted a lot of these factors. But yes, I do think that you get a sense after you've visited a lot of places of, uh, is this community friendly? Does it seem like um, I can relate to the people here? I'll be able to make friends here. Um, there will be fun things to do that I enjoy. So yes, for sure. Some of the things, places we X'd off our list, the community didn't feel friendly, even mm. though there were, were a lot of beautiful things about it. Sometimes we we felt like it was too remote that, you know, they'd established a very nice retirement community, but then you had to drive 10 miles to a grocery store. Mm-hmm. So that really wasn't going to work for us. Um, and you, it is a give and take for sure. I mean, you never get every single thing you're looking for, but if you can get most of the things that you're looking for, then that's a good thing. 
I love that. Uh, and I want to ask maybe the, the other side of this, because I think one of the barriers that you can kind of see with, with a lot of people is, you know, and you talked about really starting the process early, mm-hmm. right? And I think one of the things that I think all people struggle with, especially when we're like relationships is communication is that talking back and forth and going, Hey, um, you know, and we all maybe sometimes get the, the sacred cow of like, well, this is, I get, we can get hung up on things and that's just something I'm not willing to sacrifice. So can you talk about, I, I like to hear in terms of relationships of like, Hey, if there's a disagreement, Right of hey, how do we optimize or how we think about our happiness together as a couple? But we're all individuals and we all have different ideas of how we do things. So, can you talk about was there any disagreements that you had uh, as we're setting on Newburn? Because I could see where <laughs> hey, uh, you know, Joyce says Newburn's the one, and I we did the we went over the bridge, and this is it. And Larry's kind of the this other side of like, well, I want to be in you know in Ohio because it does all these other things. <laughs> And you can see that that could be, again, talk about a, a block, a, you know, something that can just stop people in their tracks because they just can't resolve. I'd love to hear was about, was there a disagreement or even smaller, big, and then how you resolved it? Well, I think the big disagreements were at the outset. I think okay. the longer we went through the process, the more we had narrowed down areas that we knew would work for both of us. So mm-hmm. definitely there was a give and take there. Uh, but you can tell them about the day we were headed to buy a house somewhere okay. else. And, and it's always awkward when I'm asking <laughs> No, this is a great yeah. story. I, I'm, my only regret is that we have so little time. <laughs> Real quickly, when we started this process, we have very close friends of ours who live in the villages in Florida. And mm-hmm. I'm, not mm-hmm. doing a, I'm not doing a promo for them. But I wanted to live there because they have 50 golf courses. Enough said. Okay. Uh, and at that point... Uh, New golf course every week. Every week. Yeah. And, um, but that wasn't to be a uh, beautiful place. I'm not saying anything negative, but it just wasn't for us. Mm-hmm. Um, because there were a number of the other things we were looking for. And, and so we went through this process. We visited a number of places over the years. We um, we had the opportunity to try to get the feel, then that you're talking about. And sometimes you know almost immediately when you walk in to the office to meet the people, whoops, this is the wrong mm-hmm. place. Others we spent a little more time on because they felt like they might be possibilities. And I want to interrupt for one second. Sure. Because there's a key, key point you brought up. So you were visiting places well before retirement. So right. was it, yes. okay, I'm 55 years old. Were you then thinking, obviously we're in our careers, we're still working. Were you then taking your vacations Right for the yes. kind of the ten years, going. Hey, this is an interview process. We're going to have some fun. We're going to do our right. thing. But were you then interviewing the communities thoughtfully as you're kind of going forward? Was that something yes. that you did? Yes, yeah. we did often. We'd go on vacation somewhere and we'd say, "Okay, there's you know two or three different retirement communities. Let's drive through and see what they're like. And then if one really seemed to be close to what we were looking for, we talked to a realtor or we talked to a community representative. So yeah, that is really how it worked. And how did you budget your vacation then? Cause I could see where, okay, could all your vacations for 10 years get to be very like, well, we're, we're really structured and we need to do all these boxes. How did you go? Well, it's one day out of seven was the interview process for us or was it, how did it kind of, I think it was pretty free flowing. I don't think we, okay. except when we went to Florida because the distance was so great and we we're going to be 
1500 1900 miles from home which is maine yeah um then we kind of had a, an outline ahead of what we wanted to try to do and because there are so many options in florida right and you could you could spend 10 years just looking at legitimate options right. in that state alone so we um we had structure there but then in other states where it's a little bit structured so we could play enjoy the area and try to get to know the community so we did a lot of exploring a lot of poking our nose in all kinds of little places just to see what what were the people like and how did they respond because it is a different culture mm-hmm. than this in Maine and that's neither good nor bad it's just different mm-hmm. But but on on how we settled on Newburn. Yeah, I, want, I, I hijacked you, so I yeah. appreciate that's you. That's okay. <laughs> no, we were actually uh, on our way to South Carolina uh, on the Strand. And the Strand has Myrtle Beach at the north, mm-hmm. and it has Litchfield Beach and Polly's Island at the bottom. Uh, it's about 30 miles long. It's a big sandbar and miles wide, four or five miles wide. We, we had... S- has spent a number of vacations using that locale as a jumping off point for looking all over the south. And so we knew it well. So when we decided that we were going to buy, the year before we were down there, we really intensified looking at communities built into that area. And so what do we like? What don't we like? Um, What do we feel comfortable with? And we ended up meeting a realtor who's from Winthrop, Maine, and she's the sweetest lady in the whole wide world, as luck would have it. So we're on our way to South Carolina. She has roughly a half a dozen houses we're going to look at. We're going to buy one of them. We've been talking with her for a year, going back and forth, and we're running down 95, and Joyce says, well, you know, the one place that we haven't looked at that's on the way is Newburn." Well, for those of you who are familiar with the map, you run down 95 and Newburn is 90 miles east. It's, it's not, you just don't swing by Newburn. But it's on its way to the Outer Banks, mm-hmm. but still on the mainland. So after some give and take on that trip discussion, we're going to swing by Newburn. And we, we went through the countryside. It's, it's like rural Maine. It's beautiful. There are a lot of similarities. We drive over this big bridge. It spans two rivers and, and, I'm fond of saying Joyce basically said, this is it. <laughs> and and so we spent a day or two there looking at the community. It was on our list. It meant all of the check marks that we had to have. We knew that it fell inside that grid, so we decided that we would uh, take a look around. And while we were there, we looked at a number of the developments in the greater New Bern area. And we looked at a number of the towns, several of the towns, because that's not the only little town. Sure. And tried to get a flavor and a feel. And from the get-go, you know, while we're running around town and walking through the downtown and talking to merchants and just meeting people, they were just so kind. It was amazing. I kept looking around saying, this can't be this good. But it was for us, so it turned out to be. And then we found our development. We, um, We went and looked at it. We liked some of the things about it. We weren't so sure about others because, remember, we just landed. We didn't know much about right. the development mm-hmm. per se. Then we um, then we got in the car because we had our two days in Uber and said, well, we're on our way to um, to South Carolina. And we're, we're still thinking we're going to buy a house. But by the time we had driven the next four hours, 
and got, got out of the car in South Carolina. We had kind of decided, more or less, that wasn't going to happen. We were going to live in South Carolina, even though it's beautiful. Drop dead beautiful. I have to put in a plug. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that, that really our interest was more aligned with what we saw in New Bern. And, and I have to say, and I'll let Joy, Joy speak for herself, but I have to say that I've been able to get up every single day for four years now and say, Am I thankful? I'm very thankful that we're here. I'm glad that we ended up here and with no regrets. And I I wasn't sure that would happen then because we're making a decision that's kind of at the last second, even though we've been in this process for a number of years. Mm -hmm. We're deciding on the neighborhood in a development that we've seen once, and I haven't really put through my whole grill. So I have to tell you a quick aside. Mm -hmm. You might edit this out. I ended up going to the tax (laughs) office in the town and saying, Introducing myself to the county tax people because they're right in New Bern. Okay. And saying, we're here. We're just getting to know the air. I don't know the developer. And the lady behind the counter said, well, darling, what can I do to help you? And she took the time to tell me about the development and what it was like in 2006 and seven and eight when things were tough mm-hmm. and the dirt taxes were always paid on time. That's and, great. Yeah. And, and no, she was not on the Christmas card list of the developers. She didn't even know the guy first. But... We went, we went that far. Most people won't do that, but we didn't know anything about the area. And we're talking about buying a lot and writing a check while we're there. Yeah. I never do that. Mm-hmm. You got, I mean, mm-hmm. Abby knows yeah. me. I don't spend 50 cents without thinking about it. Yep. <laughs> well, in, in, again, on a previous episode, we had uh, Dan Pressure from the International Living Magazine. And he was talking about, you know, he, he uproots from, was it Nebraska? Yes, Right. Nebraska. He's in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And he uproots to Ecuador. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He goes, he goes, we were writers for International Living Magazine. It was the new job. We're going to live internationally. This is something we always wanted to do. We moved to Ecuador. This is, this is our life purpose. And we're very excited. Mm-hmm. And we cried for six months. What, what did we do? <laughs> what did we do? Can you, obviously when you, you've now, Hey, you've, you've now landed, right? Mm-hmm. And you've built your new home. Was there any sort of like homesick? Because I know you kind of obviously probably have gone through homesickness anyway from moving as it was. But was there any any kind of, of that that you felt like, ugh? Yeah, well, we... just a, a thing about Ecuador because we actually looked at Ecuador okay. um, <laughs> when we yeah. were visiting in Ecuador. And because Ecuador has very low cost of living and mm-hmm. Americans can live very well there. Um, and there are some towns in Ecuador that have a lot of Americans in them. But I think, you know, the key for living in a foreign country is have you lived in one before and enjoyed the culture and felt comfortable? Do you speak the language? Uh-huh. You know, and so there are those factors, you know, kind of eliminated it for Larry. Sure. Um, and, and I really <laughs> honestly wasn't ready to go back and live there again yeah. as a retiree. I think that um, it's good to go visit the place that you're you're going to be buying into, and the longer you can spend there mm-hmm. before you make that decision, the better. Um, in our case, we did turn around, change all our plans, and go back and spend a week in New Bern um, before we really made all the final decisions. Um, and I think that's really important. There are things that we miss about Maine, no doubt about it, mm-hmm. but 
I would say there are fewer than we expected. And one of the things that's been a continuous surprise to us is that the community is even better than we thought. So Mm -hmm. we've made a lot of new friends there, and there's a lot to do. It really ended up being the right choice for us. Excellent. Because, again, sometimes it's it's the thing you know, right? Right. And, again, what what we wanted to do here, and I think the purpose of our show, is to inspire people in retirement, right? Is to say, hey, you know, obviously, Larry Larry and Joyce, you did something that was right for you. But to give examples to people of, hey, you know, you can go through something and it, it, maybe it's, it's as good. Maybe it's better mm-hmm. than you ever imagined. Right. And to say, hey, isn't, isn't all of our lives really worth it when you say we're taking, even though it was a risk and it could have been worse, mm-hmm. but it could be so much better. Right. And to go, isn't that worth striving for and, and kind of experiencing something new together and then go, man, these are all new things. And that's what's going to keep us young. And that's what's going to make us live longer. We're going to have more to talk about, connect on, because I can see where people just, you know, they, if they don't change anything, you could see where, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years in a relationship, it, you know, things get stale because it's just, it's, it's a little of just a lot of the same. And it's, which is fine for a lot of you. And I'm not trying to paint that that's, that's a bad thing, but for some people, they're looking for a little more adventurous. So I, I commend you guys on that. Cause that's, uh, that's really, ha- uh, kind of hard to do. Can I throw in two things? I think Yeah. it, uh, the whole process was an adventure and there were some days we were a little frustrated at what we we're looking at. We didn't think we could find what we we're looking for, but it all worked. We weren't frustrated with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we enjoyed the process because we got to see a lot of good choices. I want to remind anybody who might be listening that there are lots of good options. There's, there's not just one answer, so that's wonderful for everybody to know. And the other item that really worked, I think, worked well for us is that we don't live in a, well, a standalone retirement community. And by that I mean we are a series of neighborhoods that are part of a development that covers, you know, 16 or 1700 acres, but we're five minutes from downtown. Mm -hmm. And that's really important because one of the things that Joyce and I finally came to realize as we were looking at a lot of retiring communities is that we didn't want to be in a neighborhood that had everybody in it over 55 years old. That part of life was the, the newness of life. And so in our development, we happen to pick the, the neighborhood that has the greatest concentration of young families. And you're going, why did they do that? When I say greatest concentration, there might be eight or ten young families in mm-hmm. a neighborhood of 40 houses. But it, but we get to see the school bus come down every day in the, in the year. We get to see the kids out at Halloween. They come to our house and they Christmas carol. They do a Memorial Day parade on their bicycles and wagons. So we get to see all of that. And that was very important to us that we not get into a community where that was absent from our lives. And when we want to go downtown, we're involved in that community. But we also have great presentations made to us. And we've chosen to be involved in nonprofit ventures and to be able to give back to the community at, at large. So... Mm-hmm. We're involved in Uber in that way. And I think that that turned out to be maybe one of the most significant things that we did, and that was to not be in a, a very narrow range of, of senior citizens. And we, But we recognize that for some people, that's the perfect answer, right. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's okay. 
I could see where, you know, obviously you could go through your process, you can move there and it could be not a good decision, right? And you can say, you know, we did all the homework and there's, there's a reason it doesn't work. And I could even throw at you, you know, you move to New Bern and within so many months you get a devastating hurricane that comes through and we did and, and wipes out, <laughs> you know, large amounts of homes and yours could have been one of the homes, right? right? Is d- disaster can happen, right? Can you talk about um, that of going into this? And did you think about what if it goes bad? What would we do? How would we, how would we change? How do we adapt? How would we respond to it? Was that part of the process of we're here? I don't really think so. I think maybe Larry and I are optimists yeah, um, and don't always go down the road of, oh, what's the worst thing that could happen? Except, of course, expecting that at some point one of us will pass away and there will be changes in our life. Sure. But, um, no, I, I don't think we anticipated disaster. I think that we looked for a lot of safety factors mm-hmm. in where we were building. So, you know, what we were doing was not risky for us in any way. Mm-hmm. Yes, we had a hurricane and some people had trees through their roofs, but uh, the community bounced back. Mm-hmm. There are a few people who have moved into our community and have changed their minds, but they are really a very small minority. And usually it has to do with a family crisis of some type that makes them then decide to move home. Or a few people got there and decided they weren't close enough to the water, for example, and maybe they, they wanted to move a little bit closer to the outer banks. But... Um, most of the people who have gotten there have been happy and have stayed. A lot of times what we're finding is there's three stages to retirement, right? Mm-hmm. There's this kind of first, second, and third. And and sometimes I think when we go, hey, we, we make decisions because we're so excited about retirement. We really are so excited about the first stage, right? We might not be considering the second and the third here. Is Is that something that's kind of played into your minds here a little bit of, Hey, here's some somewhere where we can age throughout the entirety of our retirement. But also, um, could you see yourself moving again? And would you have to then go through another process in order to do that? Well, let me answer the first part. Did we think about uh, the progression of time? I guess yeah. that's how we mm-hmm. categorize sure. it. And the answer is yes. If if you were to walk into our house, you would see some things that we built in that would allow us to stay in that house even if our mobility changes mm-hmm. for whatever reason and to be able to get around in the house. And so where we, where we put appliances, where we put counters, how wide we made doors, how that you can come into the house on one step mm-hmm. from the outside. Uh, we're all designed with the thought that we're not going to be at this age or in this kind of physical health that we're in today Forever. I hope that we are, but that's probably pressing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we designed those things in. We didn't build any closer to the outer banks, even though we can get there in half an hour, because you go down a slope, the land slopes all the way to the ocean. The hurricane proved what the, the downside of that is that we went through. And so we did think about all of those things and say we're going to make the, the best informed decisions we can, knowing that they're not perfect. And so we just took that as a guideline up front saying it's not going to be perfect. 
We're going to do the best we can if there's a mistake, we'll piece it back together. You know, being a Mainer at heart and born and bred here, you just grow up with, if it doesn't work right, you, you back up and you do it again and you find a way to, to, to press on. And I Yankee that, ingenuity. Yes. Right? I was going to say that, but yes. 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 <laughs> I know Yankees are a swear word, right? <laughs> yes. Not in our house. Yeah. Um, but we, um, we just assumed we could go forth and so we had that optimism. I think the, uh, that's the only way to, to go ahead. As far as building another house, we, we kid with our neighbors all the time. Some of them are younger than we are, some of them are older. But the concept is that people have built a house with the concept of coming and staying till they can't stay anymore. Mm-hmm. And for some people, they fully see themselves in this house until such time as they need to go into the extended care mm-hmm. uh, facility down the street that's being built now, right on, right in our, our neighborhood. Other people say, I'm, I'm never leaving here. Um, and so we'll see. And we have people well into their late 80s, some, not many. In fact, we have a couple of people in their early 90s who are just matriculating through life and just they're moving a little slower, but they keep moving, and this is where they want to be. The interest, one of the interesting points is that we didn't expect to see was how quickly neighbors would rally around and become friends. Everybody has come from someplace else. Everybody has chosen to move, so you have a certain mindset coming through right. the door. Uh, and neighbors have become friends very quickly. And if somebody needs help, neighbors rally un- unasked. That's great. That's great. Okay. Um, so we have reached the end of our podcast, and we always ask our guests one final question. So for each of you, so the title of the podcast, right, is the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. So we ask every guest what their own individual definition of retirement success is. So, Joyce, do you want to start? <laughs> it's a loaded question. Yeah, I think you would, uh, I guess, retirement success would be um, feeling healthy and happy and mm-hmm. having contentment where you are. That's great. Yeah. What about you, Larry? I would say that it's happy and healthy because as we talk to our clients all the time about the two commodities you can't buy are time and health. Mm-hmm. And so right now we've been granted time in our life to be able to do some of the things we'd like to do or not do anything, have those days where we don't do anything, and we're reasonably healthy. But I think the most important thing in retirement, regardless of where you end up and what you end up doing, is to be really comfortable and thankful in your own skin for who you are and what you have, no matter how much that is or how little that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, thanks again to you both for coming on the podcast. I think this was great and really informative and I'm sure will be very helpful to retirees who are looking at different places to move. And like Ben said, giving them the confidence that they can do it, that it is possible and it's possible to be, you know, happy and and successful wherever they choose to be. So thanks again. Our pleasure. Thank you. Well, that was a great episode with Larry and Joyce Pelletier. We really enjoyed having them on talking about um, finding your retirement location. Um, I thought they did a really good job of explaining the process that they went through um, for finding their ideal retirement location. Uh, so at the end of every episode, we have a little conclusion, a wrap up between Ben and me. Um, and so 
Ben, what did you take away from the episode with Larry and Joyce? Yeah, I thought, um, yeah, I think Larry and Joyce did a really great job kind of talking through the process. And I think there's, of course, lots of takeaways. Uh, one thing I'm always interested in is um, kind of what are the barriers that kind of stop people, right? Is is what where do people get hung up? And I know they did a really great job on talking through that. It just felt like for me, the, the, the kind of things that we were asking them about, like, what about kids and those gravitational forces that keep you in one place? You know, it seems like from, you know, hearing their life story, they've, they both have moved a lot in their lives and, mm-hmm. and not just nationally, but internationally too, with Joyce even hearing that she grew up in Quito, Ecuador for a bit. And like, those are really formative things on, Hey, if I'm able to really break down those barriers and it's really not that big of a deal, it is easier. I think when you get to the stage and saying, Hey, I do want to think about moving somewhere than where I have been for a longer period of time. So. Again, I think there's really good lessons to highlight there throughout the episode for people. But I think one thing is, you know, by kind of the body in motion stays in motion. And with mm-hmm. them, they've they've kind of done a lot of this moving throughout their lives. And I think that made that process easier for them when they got to retirement. Yeah, I totally agree. Because um, I liked when you brought up about all of the stuff that they had inherited over the years. Um, I think that can be a big barrier for a lot of people. And by moving you know, consistently every so often, you kind of weed a lot of that out by the time you hit retirement age. Exactly. Um, so what I found really interesting was their story about how they were on their way to purchase another house, ended up swinging through New Bern, North Carolina, where they decided to eventually live and not buying the house. And so trusting your gut instinct and really going with what you feel is right for you is really important because otherwise they could have ended up in a place that maybe wasn't so great for them and have to go through the process of reevaluating locations again. So I just think that's encouraging for people who think that maybe they haven't quite found it yet. It's okay to keep looking until you really feel like you found the right spot for you. Yeah. It's kind of interesting too of like, uh, obviously within like 12 months, they had a, you know, cat five hurricane come yeah. through to New Bern. And of course it touched ground right on New Bern. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was something where I, I was interested to hear about was their regrets on kind of once they were there, but like, no, I think all those things that they pointed to that they liked were all still there. And I think that's where, and you, we heard stories from Larry's over the year too of, Hey, I'm helping rebuild where all of our neighbors are gotten together. There's a bunch of houses that have been hit and which is why they're there. That's what they're looking for, for the community. So um, even though there's a natural disaster that hit was, which is really terrible and caused a lot of devastation, you know, luckily they weren't, uh, you know, that terribly impacted like others, but you know, they're banding together and which is what I, you know, it was kind of interesting to hear that they were looking for that is that was, that was very important to them there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, thanks again to Larry and Joyce and Ben for having this episode about finding your ideal retirement location. Um, So we'll have the transcript and audio recordings on our website, which is blog.guidancepointllc.com backslash 30. So thanks again for listening, everyone. Take care and have a good rest of your day. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to an information-filled episode of the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. While this show is about finding more ways to improve your retirement happiness, Guidance Point Advisor's mission is to help our clients create a fulfilling retirement. We do financial planning so that people can enjoy retirement and align their monetary resources to their goals. If you're wondering about your own personal success, we invite you to reach out to us to schedule a 45-minute listening session. 
Our advisors will have a conversation with you about your goals, your frustrations, and your problems. Make sure you check out Guidance Point Advisors on our blog, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always check out more episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, keep on finding your retirement success.